Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 27. We have one subject, it could be one message from verse 25 to 32, and to be honest, if I were looking to preach a sermon to include it all, it would be very troublesome of how to get it all in. In, in one message. But the good thing about Bible study is we can just stop somewhere and we pick up next week. So verses 25 through 27, we're going to try to cover two things that we are to put off. That's where we left off with last week, that we are to put off the old man and we're to put on the new man now that we're a new creature in Christ. So there are two things we're going to look at tonight specifically there. And so I'll call this the angry old liar. Because we're going to look at lying and we're going to look at anger tonight. And and where we looked at putting off the old man and putting on the new man in general last week, concerning putting off that old man, there are some... There are some details. God gets down to detail, and He points some things specifically. We're to put off everything that has anything to do with the old man, but then God points out certain things, and He draws attention in certain detail as we put off the old man. We put off the old man to become different. We become different because that's God's plan for His children when we become new creatures He wants us to be different from the world. He wants to use us for His glory. He wants those of the world to see His people and see that His people are different. We've been given an empowered life to live differently. We've been given a challenge, if you will, here to live as the new creatures that we are. God expects it. He expects new life, new behavior in the one He's given new life to. It's not okay to act like the unsaved. We can sometimes just make light of that, but it's, it's not okay to live like the unsaved. We have a new nature. It's opposite of the old nature. This new nature, this divine nature, it's more powerful than the old nature. And so the saved are not to live as the unsaved. We're to put off that old man. And one thing that we see that God has called us to put off is lying. Verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, there are about four things we could look at in this verse, and we could break down and try to get to everything. I've had a habit of that before. I want to cover everything and every word in a verse. And sometimes when we go back to that original language and we try to get all this information out, we we sometimes really don't get the point. So there will be a time where we'll go through everything in this verse. But I want to just focus on this main subject for us to get with lying. Uh, there's the slighting concerning lying. It's, it's slighted all, all over the place by, by many. I remember several years ago, I was in a store. 
And you know how they sell t-shirts and they put them on a square of cardboard and they fold them behind it. It's on this big cubicle. And one of those shirts said, I'm probably lying. And, and I'll be honest, somebody particular I know because of their testimony of it, it wasn't just my thought. Uh, I thought of someone. But, you know, if I were to have been more accurate in my thinking, I could have thought of a lot of us, a lot of people, you know. We all, we, look, there's a, there's a problem with it. We don't think about lying in every form. And, and there's just a lot of forms of it. And it comes out in many different ways. And, and it's so common that we tend to slide it. Another. You know, people have issues with this. Um, folks aren't shocked when they discover that someone lied. You know, somebody got fired at work. That's a big ooh-ah. Well, why'd they get fired? Well, they lied. And to be honest, we don't make a big deal about it. Oh, there's trouble in that family. What, what is it? Well, somebody lied to so-and-so. And that's not just front-page news to us. If I told you a statistic that 86% of children lie to their parents, I don't think anyone's going to challenge it because of the way we look at it and uh, the way we think about it. it. It is something that is common. And so we're not shocked by it. You know, God revealed in His Word people, heroes of the faith, that he used in the Old Testament. He exposed their issue of lying and things in the family of lying, such as deception and things like that. He, he pointed that out. There is a, a great need to deal with it. It's something that is very common. Whether it be a lie for the sake of another, well, you lied to cover someone else up, or I lied to cover someone else up, and we can even try to look at that as noble, but it's lying. Whether it be a half-truth, whether it be a white lie, you know, somebody said you tell enough white lies, you go colorblind, you know. So one little thing leads to another. And, or how about this, embellishing. I used to pastor a lady, and she loved to use that word. She would see me looking at her, and, and she would look back at me, and she'd say, Brother Kenneth, I'm not lying, I'm just embellishing. And it was just a joke, it wasn't something serious she was doing. But that can be serious, to take, to take something and just to, to make the story that much better, or make us look that much better, it, it happens so easily. Or how about lying by saying nothing at all? How about holding back what we say? Lying is way too common. It's a very common problem. And it's a problem that it's so common because we slight it. There's a temptation to do so. Truth be told, there are probably a lot of Christians with, with the unconfessed sin of lying. It's probably out there and, and not forgiven and it hasn't been confessed to the Lord. We would even find some that would say lying is permissible. Well, you know, you just, if I would have said that, it, that, that's a hard truth to say, and it would have stirred someone up, and so the best thing to do was just say this, and people make it permissible. You've heard, you know, people uh, don't want to hurt someone else's feelings by lying. Just a little lie. 
the dress looks great, honey. But, you know, but it's a lie, right? It's just a little one. Nevertheless, it comes in all different forms. And it's a big deal to God. I hope I have some good examples of myself sometimes. But here, as we go through studies, a bad example comes to my mind. And so I'm just going to give it to you. Henry Hilaire and I, when, when the church... We went to a different apartment complex. And we did gather up a good dozen kids. We did that on Tuesday nights, I think. Had a real good time of it. But as we would walk through the apartment complexes and knock on the doors, and the doors would open, and we would see things that were concerning, we would see things that uh, made us feel like we weren't real safe where we are. And, and so when we, I remember one time we walked away, and I said, Man, everything we see in this environment, I'm, I'm not going to go home and tell Shelly about this. She, she wouldn't want me to come do this. And Henry said, you don't want to get in the habit of hiding things from your wife. And at the time, I just kind of brushed it off. That's kind of extreme. But you know what? He was exactly right. Because one little thing leads to another, and it leads to another. I mean, if we tell one lie, we have to tell another one to support it. Lies don't have legs, you know? And so it goes on, and you've seen the little 30-minute sitcom show where the whole thing is uh, people laughing, and it's because of one lie being told, and then another one to cover up that one, and another one to cover up that one. And it's actually, it's slighted by many, but it comes in so many concerning this to the seriousness of it. We're not to live as the old man mentally and morally. And God has specifically pointed out lying here and says, put away, put away this conscious and intentional falsehood. So as we look at it seriously, you know, lying breaks fellowship with God. Speaking truth and speaking lies, it reveals the heart. It says what our heart is one way or another. When the heart's right, the words are right. When the heart's not right, our words are going to reflect it. And it's very serious. Jesus has a name. Jesus has many names. And He has a name faithful and true. And the devil has a name, and his name is Liar. Proverbs says, 19.5, says, A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. It's a serious subject. I heard a true story about a man that, and it just expresses the, the great seriousness that I, that I gathered from him in it. See, him and his wife, they had a baby. And his wife would give the baby the pacifier, put the pacifier in the baby's mouth. And, and that just disturbed him so much. He was bothered by it. It went on and on. 
with it anymore. And he said, honey, we cannot do that anymore because she thinks she's drinking milk and she's getting nothing. It's deceptive. Told as a true story. And he talked her into not giving that baby that pacifier anymore. I hope he stayed up at night with that baby when that baby was crying as well as her. But, and, and you know, and, and what are we thinking about this man? Wow, what extreme. You're kind of going overboard. But as we think about that, and as we might say that about him, we can't deny the seriousness that he was having in this family of lies and the deception. He was plenty serious about it. And we all must be. And we're to separate from it. We're to put off the old man. To put away lying. How do we do this? How do we separate ourselves from this? Something so common that it it sneaks in from every side. Comes out in all these different forms. Well, we need to realize what it does to ourselves. You know, it, it'll, it'll ruin our lives. Lies, falsehoods, it'll ruin our lives. Others will have a hard time believing anything that we say. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you my story. I went fishing the other day and you won't believe what I caught. That's where it ends right there and they turn you right off. Don't even want to hear the rest of it. They believe it's going to be a falsehood. They believe it's going to be fiction. And the testimony, you know, gets known by that. It's it's a serious thing. And it can become a continuous, habitual thing. We need to realize what it does to ourselves. We need to realize what it does to others. Several years ago, I was... uh, Shelly and I were in a group of people, a lot of couples around. There was a... There was uh, a couple to be married. They were engaged and everybody talking in the room and someone, it was innocent, it wasn't meant to be done, but someone brought up something and said something. I missed it. Everybody else caught it and I was in la-la land over here. But they said something and what they said revealed that this young lady's fiancé was lying about something. And I looked and I was, I didn't know what was going on, but I, when I tried to jump in, I looked at her face and the astonishment, the hurt on her face. I'll never forget it. I didn't even know what it was about and I'll never forget it. And then later when I heard it was because of a lie that was told to her. Well, they, they continued on, uh, in, in their relationship And uh, as the story goes, the lies continued on. And the next time I was around them years later, she was pretty numb, pretty stone-faced, really calloused, and just didn't even care anymore. She had a lot of care and concern and hurt when I first saw her face over that one instance. But she had grown to where she just didn't care anymore and no zeal for life. Lying, it affects others. But most importantly, we need to realize what it does to God. Lying grieves the heart of God. And it quenches the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit has a name, the spirit of truth. 
So untruths are, are going to quench the heart of God. God doesn't look on it casually. And He's affected by all lying. God is affected by all lying. And so we see these three realizations, and we can take these alone. And that's a great help to, for you and I to separate from this. But there are more helps. You know, God hates it. It's a sin, so we ought to confess it. That's a great help to separate from it. Because I tell you what, when we think of confession, what true confession is, it's, it's agreeing with God. So we can go to His Word and see what He says about what we've done and then tell Him what He says about what we've committed. that we've heard him. It wouldn't hurt at all to talk about the effects of what we did that we're confessing and what it did to someone else maybe or what it did to the heart of God. When we really get down to confession being more than, I'm sorry, I did this, forgive me, it really changes the way we are about these things. It really separates us from doing these things. It's a great help. We should always ask God for the strength to be able to separate from these things. And in confession, we can. And we're able to. It's a great help. Then we need to purpose in our hearts. We need to, we need to tell God, look, in this situation, whatever the situation uh, has for me at work, or whether it be at church, or whether it be with the family, God, I, I commit with you now, and I ask you for the strength. I want to be honest. In all my dealings, I want to be honest in what I do. By the way, we have a member of this church, and I will not mention who they are because I didn't ask for their permission, but, but they left their job, very good job, as they support a family. They left it just like that because they were asked to lie. And they said, I'm not going to do it. Praise the Lord for that. We need to purpose in our heart with God ahead of time about these things because we can separate from this. It tries to hit us and the temptation comes from every side in all these forms, but we can trust the Lord for the strength to stay separated from what separates us from Him. It breaks our fellowship with Him when we do this. Well, we're not just talking about the old liar tonight. We're talking about the angry old liar. So let's see if we can have enough time to talk about another thing that God has pointed out that we're to put off. And that is anger. And we're going to talk about the bad concerning anger. And we're going to talk about the good. There's a good concerning anger. And then we're going to talk about a catch in the middle of it all. Let's go ahead and read a little bit. Uh, verse 26 says, Be ye angry... And sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let's first look at the bad concerning anger and just think about that tonight a little bit. You know, the problem with anger is that it so easily gets the best of us. It can be so very consuming of our lives. It can really just, it can change our personality. It can ruin our day when we become controlled by anger. It's quite a controller. It has a strong arm. 
and it really wants to take us over. And it gets the best of many people very easily. And following right behind anger is sin. Be ye angry and sin not. That's what so easily comes when we give in to anger. The bad side of anger is when we get angry at personal offenses. You know, there's a, there's a selfish side of anger. It's self-centered in a lot of ways. And it's selfish in a lot of ways. Because when we are offended against ourselves, then we get angry. And this is never a good anger. It's a bad anger. We want the doom of another. When we take things personal and anger starts to stew. It's kind of like we're holding a check and somebody needs to fill it out so we can go cash it and we can be reimbursed for the hurt that came against us. It can build up resentment until we carry out vengeance on someone. Anger and, vind- and being vindictive go close together. It'll make us mean. It'll make us bitter. It'll cause us to lose our joy. It will hinder our fellowship with the Lord when we give in to anger. We, become like, we can become like a rabid animal from this. And it causes devastating dysfunction in our lives. Anger, man, it's a big issue. And, and it's very hard to hide. It comes out in so many ways. I'm sitting in the fast food restaurant and somebody is really that furious because there's cheese on their hamburger? Come on. It's something else. It's something else that has been tucked away, denied, thought to be put in a box, and it's done. It could be decades old or it could be a week old. They're not mad about the hamburger order getting wrong. I expect it to be wrong. That's not what it is. You know, there's an anger that is good, though. Verse 26. I'm going to read these first three words again. And I'd like to ask you to look at them with me. It says, Be ye angry. In a group this size... There's probably someone who has had a preacher or some kind of Bible teacher tell you that it is completely wrong to ever be angry. We should never be angry. It is a sin to be angry. If you haven't heard it and you go down the road somewhere, sometime in your life, you're probably going to hear someone say that. And the problem that I have with it is is what we see that is not hidden, nothing can be changed as we look into these words, be ye angry. That is a command. We are commanded to be angry. There are things God gets angry with. His word says, God is angry with the wicked every day. Jesus cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers. He didn't walk them out. He cast them out of the temple. Not all anger is wrong. There is a positive anger. The things that God's angry with, we ought to be angry with. 
more and more as we mature and grow and put off the old man and put on the new man, we're going to be angry at the things that God's angry with. There's something terribly wrong with those who do not get angry at the horrifying murder of children in the womb. If if someone doesn't get angry at that, you need to check up from the neck up. Because God's angry with it. He's clear in His Word about it. Whatever God's angry with, we ought to be angry with. The lifestyle of those who push for acceptance of it when God has classified it as sin, when God has classified it as worthy of death, we have a problem if we're not angry with that. Not the the sinner, but the sin. I'm just... I don't know. There just seems to be a different attitude that's trying to creep in on a young generation coming up. And a confusion about what it means to love other people. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. The right kind of anger will reveal a good spiritual health. Anger that is good is not that from personal harm, but that which would desire to harm what is holy and what is just and what is right. That is an anger that you and I are to have, and it's a good anger. But here's the catch with any kind of anger that we can get into. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Any anger at all, it cannot be held tightly. It can't be bottled within. It can't be harbored within without doing harm. Some folks have been angry for years, and it it, it takes away from who they are. It interrupts their life. It interrupts their personality. We can become a slave to anger if we don't resolve it. One man proudly said, my wife and I have never gone to bed angry. We have always resolved our issues before going to sleep. And then he said, man, we haven't slept in three weeks. (laughs) The truth about it is, it needs to be resolved quickly, like a hot potato. We've got to get rid of it. There's never anything right about holding on to anger. No good will ever come from a length of time, longer time of just holding on to that. It's go- We think, we can think, I think we know better, but we think we're hurting someone else when we have that anger toward them, but we're really hurting ourselves. We're hurting ourselves mentally, we're hurting ourselves physically and our health, we're hurting ourselves spiritually. Verse 27, right after this 
teaching we've just had in this verse 26, it says, neither give place to the devil. If we take anger to bed with us, it keeps the door propped open. For the devil to come in and to play off of our anger and lure us into all... Gardening a little bit. I'm trying it a little bit. I've got like this two foot by 12 foot row behind my house, all boxed up, you know, with wood. Two of them. And I've been dabbling with it and working with it. I think my problem is I I just brag too much when I get one tomato. I'm just excited about it though. But I tell you one thing I, I do I try to water that garden with as much water from heaven as I can. Nothing, nothing's good for a garden like rainwater, right, Nolan? Man, that, that, that water from the sky, man, it's, it's not like coming from the water hose. It's something different. So when it rains, I'm so happy. Come spring, I, st- I take my watering pots and I set them out uh, on the valleys of the house, the gables where the water's going to come off and and I have several buckets, and I, I, I know there's a fancy way to do it with, with gutters and barrels sealed and all, but I just, I just take my open pots out there and five or six of them, and I fill them up. Well, God fills them up. And, uh, but then it, it'll rain again, and rain again, and, and next thing you know, I have all of these buckets of water, and next thing you know, they're becoming stagnant. And guess who starts having a party? The mosquitoes. Man, Shelly gets so mad. And they're all over the place. They are at home. They feel good. They, are, they, are, they would thank me if they could for the stagnant water so that they could hang out and have a place to live. The same goes for you and I when we harbor anger. The devil loves that environment. He loves to hang out where we hold on to anger. And and he wants to use it. Uh, He sees great opportunity and he's going to stay close by when we are harboring that and embracing that which is wrong or evil. He's going to do things with it that He wants to do. We're going to be easily influenced if we're holding on to anger. Anger doesn't make us strong when we hold on to it. It makes us very weak and very vulnerable to the devil. So, we must deal with this. We, must, we have got to deal with anger. And, and how are we going to do it? Well, we're, we need to acknowledge we're holding on to it. If we are, we need, we need to acknowledge that we, you know, and, and I know we can, that's worth saying because we have a problem. There's something that in years past, I didn't acknowledge for six months in my life. No, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not, and I'm not even saying it's sin. There was just something I didn't acknowledge in my life. That was a hindrance. And I finally did, and I broke down with God. We need to acknowledge our anger before God. We need, to, we need to tell Him we are holding on to this and it is hurting me and I want to let it go. 
We need to receive help from Christ for this. We can receive help from other Christians. Christ uses, uses His people in this. And there's someone, someone special we can receive help from that Christ will lead us to as well. And just like lying, we're to confess our anger. We're, we're to confess and we're to, we are to uh, see what God says about it in His Word and tell God what He says to us about anger in His Word. And we need to tell Him what we've done to someone else as a result of this anger that we've had. I tell you what, that, that's how we deal with it. That's a good way to deal with it. And we need to get to, root, to the root of our anger. It's not a burger. It's something from 10 years ago. And we're still holding on to it very possibly. And we, and, and we need to acknowledge that. We need to get to the root of that. If we will, if we will, it will it'll save churches. It'll keep churches unified. It'll help marriages. It'll save marriages. It'll save friendships. I tell you what, this anger is a vicious thing. And we can become slaves to it. And what do we do with, with the results of anger when it arises? You know what? There's, there's a way that we can have that guided for good. Rather than use it for evil back against someone, we can guide it for good. I don't think Delenn's here tonight, but I, I believe all of you have seen that big old boy of hers, Noah. He's, he's the biggest boy on the basketball team. No matter who we play, he's the biggest one out there. And so the other team has a plan. They, they bite their fingernails for a while, scared. And then they have a plan to everybody jump on him. And man, he gets, he gets elbowed in the ribs. He takes it, man. And sometimes he gets, you know, I mean, what's going to happen? He's going to get mad and he wants the elbow back. But there's one game, one home game that comes to my mind. Man, when they were, they were like a gnat in his ear. They were just irritating him. And he got mad. But he took that anger and he put it in his game. He, he wasn't focused on those who had done harm against him personally. He didn't take it personally. He took that basketball and he ruled that game. And they won the game. Look, we can take that and it can be channeled, guided to do something good with it. There are healthy ways to deal with anger and there are very unhealthy ways to deal with it. There's a proper outlet for our anger and we must release it. And we must release it right, and we must release it immediately. Anger, you know, it, it never controlled our Lord. Sin, sin always angered our Lord, but it didn't control Him. You don't think of our Lord as angry as He walked this earth. You think of Him as love. You, you think of Him as unconditional, because that's what He was. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, while they wag their heads at Him. That's what our Lord said when He was on the cross. He was always Lord over His anger. And if we will follow God's instruction, if we will heed His Word, then He will empower us to put away lying. He will empower us to be able to control our anger. This is, 
This is part of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And it's a cycle that we walk in constantly. So we, we know this word. You've heard this word before. But we're being refreshed in this word tonight because we need it all the time. Abraham needed it. Isaac needed it. Jacob needed it. All these heroes of the faith needed it daily. They failed in that area. It wasn't final though. So we're addressed with it. But we also learn how to remedy it. Learn how to have confidence in the new creature that we are. You are a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. The penalty for all your sin has been paid for. You are being saved from the power of sin. And we're growing and maturing and we're putting off the old man. We're able to do that. And we're able to put on the new man which glorifies God, which leads others to Christ, which gives us the, the life that we want. It's the life that we truly want when we obey God and we follow His instruction and we deal with that anger properly and we deal with those lies properly. Well, we will, like I said, we'll be able to pick up. Anybody have a problem with stealing? Well, we'll start there next week. But, but I tell you what, uh, all in all, God's, God's going to do great things through His Word. And I praise God for His Word and, and knowing exactly what we need. And so God bless you tonight. Um, I'm going to ask.